think what I've learned over time is an entitlement to space. So to not be apologetic for being there, your ownership of yourself in that space makes you someone that you want to work with, right? You're like, you're here to, because, because you're good and we can work together. Hello everyone and welcome to Chai with Rai, a life and culture podcast diving into the mindset and business of being a creative. I am your host Rai and each week I bring you a guest or a fruitful message or something delicious from the creative industry or while sipping and spilling some hot chai. Now if you haven't done so, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. If you love this podcast and are listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible or wherever you are streaming your podcast from, if you could do me a kind favor and make sure to rate the podcast down below and share it on your stories on social and spread the word it organically grows the show and connects us with listeners who haven't tuned in before and overall as i always say it just shares the love also if you haven't done so already you can now become a patron aka a supporter of chai with rye by signing up on patreon for five pounds or as i love saying it in this accent five dollars and fifty cents each month your subscription will help support the show but also get you exclusive behind the scene footages and some extra juicing things i'll put the link for that as well as all of the other information in the description of the episode so make sure to check that out now without further ado let's warm up our cuppers and let's dive into today's episode with actor tibu fortes now mind you by the way this is going to be a two-parted episode so this is part one part two will be coming out next week keep an eye out for that but as I said, without further ado, let's warm up that cuppa and let's dive in to today's episode. So the game is called Five Second Rule. You have to say three things, do three things, be three things in five seconds. This is where your highly skilled improvisation skills comes in from apparently according to your spotlight. So we'll start off with a trial run. And my question to you is what are three things you do before you go to sleep? Go in five seconds. Uh watch a tv show that's five seconds and brush my teeth okay firstly it's within five seconds you have to do this <laughs> okay 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 Wait, so what was it you you go on your phone yeah brush your teeth and wank. well i thought we weren't doing that since this was well, gonna be i mean <laughs> <laughs> i thought you you already talked right. no no we could, that's fine Everyone okay got it got it every night though a day wow okay sometimes yeah Oh, I miss the days where my drive was like that. <laughs> I'm just like so boring. Maybe I'll come back. Have you always been like this? <clears throat> Since, well, I, I also mean, think, yeah. yeah, but it's also like primetime cuddling season. Yeah. I mean, oh, you're not so fine. Them. All right. Fair enough. They don't talk back. <laughs> they don't snore or, or get the bed hot. <laughs> get it messy. All this shit around. God, yeah. Oh god. All right, Fab. Well that that already lets us into your world. Um <laughs> all right. This is my next question to you. Hypothetical one. Um, what are three things you would run on as your presidency if you were to run for the president of let's say the UK, would you or Tanzania? Which one would you run for firstly? In uh, a hypothetical UK. World? It's it's far more powerful. Um <clears throat> you can choose another country if there's another country that's calling out to you. The world um you want to be lord of the world ruler god of the world supreme 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 <laughs> supreme, supreme overlord all right fab so if you were uh going to run as supreme overlord of our planet what are three things you would run your campaign on 
in five seconds. I'm going to start the countdown. Go. Eradicate poverty, eradicate hunger, eradicate war. Eradicate Thank war. you. I miss world. <laughs> I just want world peace. <laughs> What was eradicate poor? Did you say or eradicate whore? No, God, no! Eradicate poverty. Poverty. Poor. Don't fucking cancel me. It's, it helps. It might help you if you help you get rich. We're trying to get you rich by the uh, by the streaming of this, <laughs> and me because I'd like to get rich as well. I have my own flat in London Bridge. That's the dream. That's the goal. All right. These are going to be now questions catered to you. All right. In your skills on your spotlight, I was taken a bit back, by the way, to read that um, you are proficient, let's say, and come off the world of ballet uh-huh. and that you've done life modeling. Yeah, actually, I my a lot a short film that I did earlier this year yeah. was life modeling and I had to be completely naked on set in front of all these people um yeah it was very liberating i love yeah i feel like there should be more nudity yeah apparently gen z's are really anti-nudity and a lot more tv shows are doing less nudity and sex scenes like i hate it bloody hell what's the point in life it's because i also think like people like us maybe aren't viewed sexually as well mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. i would like to change and yeah so many other people should i also think like we yeah. also don't need to have six-pack abs and like mass amount of tits like as Absolutely. long as there's, there's a nice amount of meat and you know whatever there is i don't mean that for your private parts i just mean it <laughs> of body meat. um all right so yeah i was taken a bit back so with that in mind give me three moments in your life when those skill sets have come in very handy or maybe a funny story about both of them so ballet comes in useful every single job that i do because it's about poise it's about how you hold yourself it's awareness of your body awareness of your muscles um so either being in a specific correct alignment or incorrect alignment depending on what the role is um but also it, it adds grace and strength and fortitude to your physicality and life modeling two jobs where i had to get my bits out one was this film that i just mentioned where i had to be lie naked on a sofa and get drawn and then another one was a play where i my character's dying and is about to sort of go to heaven <laughs> um and he gets yeah and i'm and i'm naked on on stage it, i mean the people's like faces were less than 50 centimeters away from where was this what oh, god i don't i don't want to say cuz that place <laughs> needs to stop needs to not be here it was the Southwark playhouse we all know it is Southwark playhouse no, <laughs> Southwark playhouse is the place that does a lot of nudity well i think southern playhouse does a lot of white nudity um they had a couple of brownies in there straight brownies though who played gay gay roles but yeah naked yeah okay yeah well next time again so i need to write these things i need to invite you to a sex party and i need to invite you to (laughs) plays where there are naked brown people wait question you're close to your family do you have conversations about this yeah i mean interestingly you know i uh, it came up I think it was uh, we we have a place in Goa and um you know my dad's family and all were there and I was talking about yeah having my junk off on stage I mean growing up my there was no uh coyness or shyness over our bodies you know yeah. it was a very open confident 
atmosphere. It wasn't like your body's disgusted, disgusting, hide it. So I think maybe that's why I, 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 I'm happy to be on stage or on screen naked. Uh, you know, my the colleagues that I was working with didn't want to do that. Uh, and even though their characters could have, they, they refused to do it because they weren't happy about it. But I, I'm I'm pretty happy with whatever my body is at whatever stage. So that's good. That's a great thing my parents gave me is confidence in your in your naked. <laughs> um I had a question, but I'll follow up later. How, how far did you get in your ballet training? Oh, I mean, we did it at drama school. So we had ballet twice a week. Oh. I sort of carry it on like maybe once every two weeks. But I I wouldn't, if you were like, do some ballet, like it's more for the bar classes, you know, it's like, it's for strength conditioning. It's for feeling graceful. Um, but if you were like twiddle around on, on the Royal Opera House stage, having said that every time I go to the ballet, I was just at the ballet last week, I watched the Dante project. Yeah. I mean, exquisite, but every time I watch something dancey, I have such a pain in my heart because I wish I, I could have been a dancer. Um, no, you don't. I know, I know. It's an awful life and people are nasty and it's cruel yeah. and people get beaten up. But I mean, there's also a lot of them that are transferring over to acting now. So yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, luckily I get to use my body in acting yeah. a lot. Fab. All right. Still yearning, you know, to to. If I if I know anybody who's writing a movement pay, piece, I'll direct them your way. All right. In the review <laughs> of your recent play, the interview, I loved this quote uh, from the Guardian on your portrayal of Bashir. So this is going to be a quote from the Guardian. By the way, how do we say your last name? Forte or Fortes? Fortes. Fortes. Tibu Fortes's Bashir is more compelling, initially resembling a faceless accountant, but growing chilling, self-righteous. Did you yeah. did you read that? Not really. I did. Yeah. All right. With that in mind, you're getting commissioned from the BBC to do a three episode special. Okay, a talk show special, not on Panorama because it doesn't exist as much anymore. Yeah. So you're getting a three episode special. What's it going to be called? What three guests are going to be on it? And what's going to be a question that you ask each of them? So I'll start with questions. The first question was take, make it light and then lead up. So it would be when you're on holiday, if you had one choice, a really fancy hotel and basic food or really fancy, you know, local cuisine, yeah, a basic hotel, which one would you pick? I think you can tell a lot about from a person's answer. But those are two very extreme. Um, you know what? It's your show. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. 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 Um, the second question, when was the first time you felt alone? Completely alone. I'm going to ask you that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the third question is, what are your values that you... What what values identify you? Remember these questions, because I'm going to ask you all three after this question. <laughs> okay, so what three guests are you having? I would love, my dad is so, uh, he doesn't speak very much. He's very yeah. like, you know, silent, strong. I would love to have my dad on there. And he's very funny. He has this okay. twinkle on his eye. So my dad, I'd love to have a dog on there. Can a dog be a guest? <laughs> <laughs> 
You can have Caesar Milan because the dog was. No, God, no, not him. Oh, um, you can't have a dog. Dogs don't talk, unfortunately. Oh, but they do. You know, they really do. Okay, so talk me through this special that you're going to do with the dog. What's what? Like you're just gonna, you know, like um, what was his name? The guy who got cancelled uh, used to interview kids, um, and and now you can interview dogs and and get the the funny responses. Uh, anyway, let's. Let's okay, see, so but I'm gonna just let you have a dog. Okay, oh, dog. Great. Okay, thanks. dog and dad, um, and the third person. Like, um, it could be a mythical character, right? So it could be like the real Santa. But how are you gonna? <laughs> no, no, Mrs. Claus, Mrs. Claus, because we we want to know more but about she puts her. Up with. Like, yeah, and and she'd have. When was the first time you felt alone? I mean, imagine asking her that. Oh, oh God! You know, I wrote a short play in my uni about how Mrs. Claus and Santa Claus met. It's like a rom com. Loved it. <laughs> There's a lot of bitchiness and they hate each other <laughs> at first. Um, okay, what's the show called? Your insides with Tibu. Your... <laughs> nice. All right, well then let's ask you those questions. Um Tibu what... inside you. <laughs> I think <laughs> Tibu inside you. Yeah. All right. Well, let's ask you those three questions then before I ask my last question, which is what was it? Um a ho- a fancy hotel basic food or was it basic hotel, but uh, fancy cultural food experience? Yeah. Which one? So I would always pick a really fancy hotel. I don't care about food. Like I could have the, I honestly don't care. But if it's a, the best hotel. Yeah. And all, you know, nothing's held back. You're in the presidential suite. Give me that. We're talking in terms of like an all-inclusive situation or things that you'll have to pay for. No, no, no. This is, this is. It's it's living in a free world, so got it, got it. Okay, cool. All right, cool. And what was it? Where? <laughs> when have you felt? Uh, when what was it? Alone? Yeah, the yeah. first time you felt alone. Sorry, I'm <laughs> laughing, but <laughs> oh, I guess you know when you're picked last on a on a on a football team. That was probably you know when, when you have to play football at school, which you don't want to, but and obviously you're picked last because you're crap. So yeah, that's probably were you crap? Yeah, <laughs> although I at one point I was so good I made it onto the football team, or maybe they were just really desperate. But yeah, I I did play one good football match, and then suddenly I was amazing. Oh. But it did so long. And what was the third question? What values identify you? Ah, uh, good question. So an open mindedness to things that you wouldn't necessarily so so not judging people's I, I struggle with that obviously you know if say you met a trump person or some crazy right wing yeah. nut is to try not to judge them because i think with that comes a, a lack of understanding and communication second one is freedom of one's well similar to what we talked about earlier it's like uh, a freedom of one's body and its beauty and you know celebrating all bodies shapes and sizes and their beauty and abilities and then a third one what would yours be i think kindness does not hurt yeah yeah let's yeah i mean kindness yeah yes but yes 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 that's not yours it's okay I can't think of any third one. So that's okay. We'll stick to what we'll communication. Stick. So, so ah. that's it. So channels, open channels of communication, which is all linked. So you know, don't judge anyone because through judgment comes a lack of communication, 
Uh, I forgot what I said. The second one. So that's okay. Tibu, if you're not in a relationship already, I cannot wait for you to be in one. <laughs> yeah. Imagine how self-righteous you see. You talked about um, Martin Bashir's portrayal. Like how self-righteous, and you you're stuck with me, and it's like, yeah. So so. so no, these are views, and this is what I believe in. You're like, God, this guy. I do do this on dates a lot. I was just going to ask you, do you get into deep conversations on the first day or it depends on the no. person that you're with? No, always. And and it, and the, the responses dictate whether this date goes any further in terms of time yeah. or whether, you know, you're ever even going to see each other. But then I've realized sometimes people are so open and generous with their, because people don't ask, you know, such um, questions deeper questions and then suddenly people are like oh my god like i get to to talk about myself and i'm gonna reveal and then you're like oh god i wish you hadn't told me that because that is just too deep and i'm now not excited by you oh <laughs> so it's the judgmental side in me so i need to i've started tempering it a bit and saving it for date three or date yeah. two just because my reactions are like oh god this is too intense and I'm not sure this person is ready for a relationship you have to take a barometer I always say first dates are great when they're activities it depends obviously because then the thing is if you are infatuated by them on the first day and you want to get to know them then the second day can be a temple dip into the the depth of the conversation and then or the recovery of the first date and then yeah. can be the solidifying of whether this is going to be continuing or not. Yeah, I think what I what I do like is is people's what, what I like the response is someone who's excited by mm. talking about that. Whereas when someone is like, oh god, that's a really deep question. Can we not talk about that? Then I'm like, okay, yeah, this is. So it's really your response to the question rather than the content of your question because that's a good sign of you know how much work you've done on yourself and mm. um yeah how ready you are to be in a relationship that's not an instagram you know happy clappy relationship which doesn't exist would you share your relationship publicly like that like i i think certain things are safe oh it's gross and it's I so think it works for some people and it's great but yeah i think there's certain parts understanding the business and the nature that i'm just like certain parts are yeah yeah but also it's just i don't know why you would do that i yeah i mean my yeah yeah we're, yeah we'll, we'll we'll barricade certain things i just think my instagram is sort of more for actor tibu it's not for you know like life tibu i rarely put life stuff on there and i think it's it sexy as hell <laughs> But don't you feel, I, oh, we're going into so many questions, but I was going to say, don't you find it interesting now that our presence and persona has become a selling point into our careers now? Um, yeah. Whereas I meet so many people and I'm, I used to be so judgmental on these, these people who had a social media presence and would be getting work, but it actually is better than doing like side hustle jobs sometimes. And it actually settles into the career and a lot of it sometimes impacts the way that you do work because they'll be like you do more of it work but like you're a completely different person in reality and why don't you do more things like that yeah like nobody's given me the opportunity and they'll be like all right well I know this person who's doing a project I think let me link you up with them yeah interestingly this last job that I filmed this weekend yeah they said oh we loved your Instagram videos they're so stupid 
um we think you'd be great for this part and I was like and then and they're like obviously we watch a show reel as well but I was like oh god like those those reels were really just meant to be stupid because I was bored in my trailer and there's nobody to talk to so you do dumb videos but yeah it it does yeah I mean the more content sadly you have the the better the more people want yeah only fans tipping coming to you <laughs> oh my god the number of times i get people messaging me to be like hey um i watch your reel uh, do you do an only fans <laughs> you know you can do an instagram subscribers only section right well and do like porn <laughs> no you don't need to do porn but it can be like things that you don't put on your normal grid so there's like a little section that only if people subscribe to it and you can set whatever price that you want and it doesn't need to be like explicit things but it's just content that you might not want to share publicly that you might want to share with people who you know i don't know you might be getting something out of it yeah 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 maybe i should but i just don't know what i do on there do my you? my nightly routine <laughs> your mom and dad I cannot wait to send them to them ah <laughs> right, your last quick question before we dive into deep questions damn it it's half an hour okay you're gonna have to speed through i was watching day after tomorrow and i've been watching lots of like resident evil end of the world films world war z love them i think they're so much fun i'm intrigued to ask this question to every single person it's the world is ending water is rising it's water apocalypse let's call it that what three skill sets do you currently possess to save yourself and humanity go i'm a really good manager so i have good management skills so and leadership skills so you know i'd get people to go certain areas as soon as i find out and 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 also with that comes delegating so i delegate all the stuff i am good at calming people down getting people to talk about how they're feeling to to center them so that we're not headless chickens running around All right, well, these are the main body questions. The first one I'm very intrigued with because I said all this work that you've done and this is the exclusive interview that I'm getting. This is going to be like your interview because I couldn't find any interview on you other than the promotions that you've done for theatre, which talk about the work. Yeah. You're, and you're... Uh, this is an exclusive. So I'm really honoured by this. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. So, <laughs> so my question to you is this, which is let's just get it out of the way. Okay, let's just get your history out of the way. Every podcast needs that. And I would like the exclusive on how you got into acting, what your journey was from beginning to into end, uh, Drama <laughs> Centre London and NYT. And then I have questions specific to those experiences. So you go for it. I'm just turning on the light, but I'm listening. I'm con I'm in there, but it's getting dark and I'll like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've just had to turn mine. I thought you were going to say, let's just get this out of the way. Where are you from? <laughs> No, because we we know where you're from, so I don't need to know. <laughs> um, so I I I grew up in Tanzania, and so um, I went to an international school there. And from the age of five, I was in every single school play, and then I was the lead in most school plays. And then in the final year, I think year eleven, I played Romeo in Romeo and Juliet, and lots of people came up to tell me how lovely it was and whatever and then I went to boarding school in the UK when I was 16 and I was like you know this new person at boarding school whatever but the, uh, eventually I, I mustered up the courage to go and audition for the school play I got the lead role I it, all these affirmations that I needed and craved I mm -hmm. received 
by by this and then I had the best teacher at boarding school who I'm still in touch with she came she drove all the way from Cornwall to come see the play and she told me to apply to NYT so I did she drove me there I got in and then with NYT I did loads of shows and played amazing parts and then during NYT I was doing my academic degrees so I did two academic degrees at the LSC London School of Economics and Political Science um, not not because my parents wanted me to or that I needed to prove disclaimer to disclaimer yeah yeah um they were like whatever and and you know and they were happy to pay for it but I think I don't know I think I didn't I didn't want to say I want to be an actor professionally and then after my master's I was like I want to apply for drama schools and so I I applied got into the drama center and then after that called myself an actor and then you know, got an agent, lost that agent, and then joined a co-op. Interesting to know, did you, um, just in terms of, I had this conversation with someone really early on, which was my drama teacher in GCSEs, and she told me your work ethic really needs to change. And she was like, really need to understand that, what do you want out of your career? Like, because do you want to be the lead? Because that's not happening for you. So she was like, oh, figure, she was like, think? figure out, what else you can contribute to this industry because it's not going to happen for you a lot of the times and from that perspective then I always understood that if I want something I'm going to have to make something for myself and I I think I've always functioned that way until you reach a point but I'm interested in asking this question to actors specifically because lead roles are something that I feel like are this um, holy grail that Mm. unless you're kind of like pointing to us that way do you think about the roles that you're going to play and how it's going to fulfill your artistic and in, not integrity, um, that, that void that you might have. So did you yeah. automatically be like, oh, I'm getting the lead. So I'm obviously going to be lead. Or you were like, it's okay if I get offshoots as long as there's substance there. Yeah. I mean, even if there is no substance in the early days, like I, I just wanted to get <laughs> roles okay. and I would have done anything and I I did do anything just because you know you're new you're fresh I I didn't think oh my god I'm I'm gonna leave drama school and get all the lead roles I don't know why I didn't think that I probably should have but yeah I was happy to build up and build up my CV and I knew I had to do that and now in terms of now because of the privilege that I have now I'll definitely be like no way that is not fulfilling and I am not doing that. Even if it's the greatest casting director in the world asking you to tape for this, I'll be like, no, check yourself. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so now I, I, I'm in a position where I can do that. But at the beginning, I would I would never have dreamt of, of being like, no way, this is not fulfilling. I'm not doing that. I remember saying, which is just so wanky, it's like, oh, I just want to be working, you know? I don't want to be a famous actor. I just want to be a, a working, jobbing actor, you know? Just, you know, like those guys who just always have work. And it doesn't matter what they play because, you know, they, they can make the part and there's no small parts. Now I'm like... <laughs> That's crap. <laughs> so do you what what changed for you in terms of like wanting do you want fame then because i also think like there's a part of this industry the way fame equates success yes but also fame's become a dirty word because of like influencers because of popularity or, or whatever it's like talent does not mean fame right so and i think b- being mature enough now where i, I know that i don't want fame 
I, I want recognition. Yeah, that's what I want. I, I, I mean, also, who doesn't bloody want fame? Who doesn't want someone recognizing you down the street? But then having said that, I don't know if you've um, listened to the Olivia Coleman interview where she talks about the like hazards of fame and people coming up and taking over your time and like, you know, taking pictures of you in pubs and yeah. all that. I, I don't know where, yeah. Obviously, I'd love that, but um, I, I um, <laughs> saying that now, I'd love it. I, I remember when I was doing the play, one of the stage managers was like, "Oh yeah, some of the actors would have really creepy stuff sent to them." Like one one person had a box full of a Tupperware full of earwax sent to them because they said that their their voice was so beautiful it cleared out their ears. And they were like, oh God, it's so disgusting, isn't it? I was like, what? I want that level. I know, I want that shit as well. I want, I want that. <laughs> this is so beautiful. They cleared their ears. <laughs> but so nobody, when it happens, I might not feel that way. So nobody's done anything freaky because they've seen your work and like no, sent I mean, you get your you, the usual creepy people who like, sorry, no, not creepy people. No, I take that back. I should boundaryless people, boundaryless people, boundaryless people um, who like wait outside stage and like take a picture without asking. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and you look rough as hell, you know, having just arrived at the theater or whatever. But no, I I haven't had any levels. I get a couple of Instagram messages. That's it. It's That's not it. much. Interesting to know, and I've started asking this question to people who have had a a substantial amount of experience in the industry and have worked with not to demean so I'll just say names let's say that what is it that you've learned about the craft itself is there something that outstands for you and you're like that is a lesson or that's a thing that I I feel like I have like to my pin board and what's something about yourself that you've learned and then I'm intrigued to ask a question, which is out of all of the projects, if you were to go back to one, what you would change about it with your current mindset? And mm. if there was to be a part two, what you would add to it? I think what I've learned over time is an entitlement to space. So to not be apologetic for being that. Your ownership of yourself in that space makes you someone that you want to work with, right? You're like, you're here to because because you're good and we can work together whereas if you're like oh thank you so much for having me here oh my god this is such a privilege um like you know I'll, I'll do anything whatever you want me to do and it's like oh that's really icky right like if, if somebody I don't know if you're I don't know if you've ever run auditions or whatever if someone's like that it's it's kind of a turnoff like even ah. say say on dates if someone's like really <laughs> intensely there Rather than like just the, your love of yourself and and the work and so so you being there, I I remember you know I, I did this film which is not out yet with Lucy Liu and I was so proud of me because you know for me Lucy Liu is like extreme levels because growing up in the nineties you're like she was she was you know the person then and so today you know I, I'm trying to think of a contemporary equivalent. I wouldn't be as starstruck as I would with a contemporary as I uh, was with Lucy Liu. But I was so proud of the work we did. And it was like us bouncing off each other with the director and being like, oh, what about this? What about this? And how about if we try this? Oh yeah, I like that. That works for my character. So it's it's just an entitlement of your space. And and if, if you have that, you don't have your, your nerves taking over. You can breathe, you can talk, you can, you can move. Whereas 
if you don't, yeah, and even, you know, I used to, I, I, a friend wrote an article about this, which is I turn up to set and be really, really extra polite, you know, to anyone you meet. So you, so you get a car, takes you to set and you come out of the car and I don't know, the first person you meet, a uh, security guy or whatever and you're like hi um i'm i'm here for the for the filming and um uh, you know just like hi i i'm tb fortes and uh, you know whatever and you're just really extra nice and and trying to make them be like god this guy's nice isn't he mm. and they would always this happened three times they sent me to the extras section the supporting artist section they were like go over there so <laughs> So I'd go up there, like stood shivering in the rain or whatever, until somebody realizes, and they're like, "Oh God, are you Tibu? Um, this way, come, come to your trailer." And then when now it's like you turn up and you're like, "Hi, I'm Tibu. Where should I go?" Not you know, you're polite. You're like, "Good morning, whatever." But there's a, I'm here to work, rather than, "Thank you. Will you love me? Please, will you love me? Like, will anybody love me?" So that's that's something I learned and. I guess any job before that, I would take that back, that entitlement to you deserve to be here. Mm. You were chosen to be here and nobody else could be doing what you're doing because you're you. I think that comes with oh, experience, though. That comes with being on the job a lot. That comes with because there's yeah. a lot of eagerness of, I don't know, like we were talking about, like getting credits, getting stuff for your show reel, working on scale. Scale is a massive thing yeah. because sometimes you might just not get booked up because you haven't won on a scale of a production, whether that's film, TV or theater. They want to know that you're going to be able to do stuff. And I think understanding that and living in that, it's really. It's, and it's also, a also, on, uh, also realizing that they're people too, right? Yeah. So they're not gods or uh, and and they want to to be accepted by you just as you want to be accepted by them they want to talk about important things and connect and and you know listen and learn just as much as you do so it's not like oh great one teach me your ways <laughs> because that's so such a turn off as well right because you're like get off i'm not stop treating me like i'm old and and you know, whatever. Uh, you you want to vibe off each other and be like, this is this is what we do. Uh, so it's it's accepting that they're human. They probably have nerves. They they have stuff going on in, in the back of their head. It's not just you who's nervous, and it's not just you who's carrying this anxiety or whatever. Everyone is. But as soon as we accept that and leave it, then we can connect with each other. You know, because sometimes you meet nervous people and they're dicks. And you're like, God, this guy was so rude. Why was he so rude? And then you realize you were like, God, his body was shaking. And he he was, you know, just, just trying to say something intelligent and said something really rude. Interested to know if you've ever felt like this as we're talking about this topic. I've, I'm learning how to fine tune it out. But I remember transitioning from like extras or essays, I think. Yeah. Um, as the industry calls them to like dancers to then like getting a couple of lines in a role and like how the shift of that would change yeah. in the hierarchy of system and I always whether it's a theater production or whether it's something like that I'm really grateful to be there I'm learning the fine balance of what you're describing but there's other thoughts that are going into my head which is the politics of the the people around you the discrepancies between the ad's and the directors or the dops the producers the the 
script supervisors, the dramaturgs, like everything that's happening in the room, or even when people have lunch, how it goes like crew, da da da, and then things like that, or how essays might be treated. So for example, you might have a coat if you're doing like a winter shoot, but the essays won't, or they'll have like shitty little tents and yeah. like they're cold and they have to be there from six o'clock when the scene is not lit up and does not start until like 12. And yeah. just how like certain things just go into that. And I don't think I've found a trick on how to fine tune that out. Yeah, I think as actors, we're babied and mollycoddled so, so much in terms of, you know, you have your trailer, you have someone who brings you your food to your trailer. You, you don't really see any of the politics between all the, you might on set see, you know, a kind of fr friction between the AD and um, the director or, or, or the DOP, but you don't ever get involved in that because you know it's that's not your your position on set and then yeah i mean the supporting artists thing like i think the industry is changing a bit i think my i remember my first job it was a commercial and we were filming at warner brothers studios and we you know with commercials you don't get a trailer but you get put on this bus whatever it's a nice bus with tables and um so there were six of us and we were all on there and then the extras there was a sign that was on this fence um and it said the extras pen literally they wrote pen like they're fucking cattle i should stop swearing um you can swear it's, it's lots of people and, and they they had separate catering we had this gourmet food and you know lovely nice catering for us and the crew but the extras got a sandwich. And I was like, this is not okay. Like, this is not okay. You guys can afford to feed these guys. If you needed 60 extras, you can afford to feed them properly and not give them a sandwich. And put a sign saying the extras pen around a fence. So I, I think things have changed. And I think there is a lot more respect and um, for, for people's time and for people's <laughs> being a human being. But I, I know there is a hierarchy on set but but as actors we're pretty high up so um it's yeah but the last question on that do you take into account the cutting room and how much the depending obviously on the role and the parameters of what you're hired to do but do you ever take that into account and the let's say the performance that one needs to do no i mean i don't think about it until the project's done and then when it's about to come out then you might start thinking oh how have they shown this but you know I've been cut from quite a few projects but you just have to laugh it off right you got the big money you it's fine um I was cut from the crown I did two whole days of filming on the crown and loads loads of it was like improvised and um, there was a lot of words I had a lot to say and they were very sweet a week before that series was released they they wrote to my agent to say hey sorry Tibu's scene has been cut and you're just like whatever you take it on the chin um, you got the money you got to work with the director so yeah yeah I'd, it's the way it's, it's yeah the it's way. the way of the industry Let's stay on the topic a little bit and then we'll dive into co-op and other bits and bobs. Um, if we shift the conversation to characters, I read an article, I think it was on Helena Bottom Carter, 
I think Riz Ahmed also said this, but two different parallels, and I'm interested to know what your thoughts are on this, which was <laughs> Helena Bottom Carter said that she figured out her niche quite early on, that her characters need to be of a higher status. Mm. And it doesn't mean they can't have homelessness. It doesn't mean they can't be poor. It doesn't mean, but they need to have a high status. And in a lot of the projects, if you see her, she does have high status roles. So that's something that she was like, because that is something that just like clicks for her. And she really goes above and beyond into how they are rolled and how they work. And then I think, I think it was Riz Ahmed or another Brown actor who said this, um, who said that as ethnic characters or sorry ethnic actors we go through three stages the first is just getting into the door no lines no nothing policeman one something other and then you fit into the box of what you represent what you look like on the outside the second one you're getting a little bit more of a pull in terms of the work that you're doing you might get a name you might get a role you might start doing the work but you're still in that box of what you represent and then the third is where you're hired not for what you look like, not for what you represent, but because of you. And it could be like Ben from Tottenham, who is an Iranian report, not like nothing specific, do you know what I mean? And you're in the loop and doing the work. So my question to you is, in terms of doing that, do you feel like you figured out a niche, your approach to it? Have you had to go through that, especially from a managing perspective in terms of like submissions? and how you navigated that space. Yeah, I guess this is something I've learned maybe the past year or two um, with being with my new agent, Hatch, Becky at Hatch. Okay. She's so good. I mean, she's, I I am very, very fortunate, but, but deserving of, of um, Becky. She's just amazing. But I, I, I guess, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm past the stage of like, in terms of representation, I think I'm pretty sure Harry was initially meant to be a white character. He's he's a Harry from Shetland, is posh public school. His name is Harry Lamont. But, you know, I think they needed diversity. And, you know, I'm sure the conversation was had and they went with me. So I think I'm still there. And I, I don't know, even even someone of Riz Ahmed, may, well, maybe not, maybe not. Maybe he, he gets it just with his name but people are not blind to color right so even even if you're famous they're they're going to be like oh we need some more diversity who should we get you know let's add these people in but also i I think my niche now is kind of similar to helena bonham carter is is high high status i like entitled self-righteous higher status people and potentially a bit yeah sort of posher than than normal so yeah I think that's that's my but you know still still playing the policeman exception the the higher policeman (laughs) you'll have a name this time around yeah yeah as opposed to policeman one and so how do you which is a wanky question to ask but obviously in terms of like actually not a phrase it because when I was watching the interview there were a lot of things in there that I was like and we talked about this previously is like your moral compass of what you agree yeah. and 
agree with. And I'm sure years and years of training and experience kind of decodes that and how to balance it. Yeah. yeah how, how much do you dive into the world of that character and then the world of the project? Yeah. Where do you barrack, like gatekeep and safeguard yourself from? And then does at the end of the project, your opinion on certain things change? So if we're talking about Martin Bashir and specifically that or anything else that you've dived, because I'm not going to lie, I've only seen four of your projects and I'm sure there's a lot of stuff out there. So I do apologize in being ignorant. But um, yeah, um, I guess like using using Martin, what 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 are your thoughts on Martin Bashir after seeing the play, the interview? You first. Overall yeah. of the play or just Martin Bashir? Martin Bashir from the play, not in real life. Of you playing him specifically, right? Or just the just the character? Just the character. Like in terms of his ethics, what how do you feel about what he did? And yeah, basically what he did. I don't think he did anything wrong for some yeah. reason. I, I also yeah. I also don't think fabrication is something that no like a lot of people do. And yeah. it's apparent. And I don't think like it's it's a thing. I think because of the status of the person of that who he's affiliated with. Yeah. I think that comes into play, maybe of who he is comes into play yeah. as well, obviously. Um, but I do think I think there was a pivotal point in I don't know who says this. I think it's you that say this in the play, which is she was gonna do the interview anyway. Yeah, I see. And that, yeah. then it kind of also de stabilizes somebody's own value like you're saying that she's not capable of making decisions herself because she's so easily swayed mm. so I think it's kind of saying oh she didn't have power and I think one thing that really stood out which was really sweet is not sweet but stays out in a lot of her documentaries and pieces that I watched where after like I think it's 25 years later where she comes as a ghost um yeah. <laughs> she basically says that my power has now been silenced by my son who who I helped brought up and I'm paraphrasing that and I was yeah. like that's such an interesting thing because her own family even thinks less of her so yeah. why are we not questioning those things as opposed to having someone who just wanted to do the job and yeah. a lot of us who just want to do the job and do a lot mm. of things to get there so yeah. But there is a moral encompass of like the narrative that we're fed a lot of the times. And you yeah, know, oh, I don't agree with that. What the fuck? I, and then I think, you know, you, you've basically said what I what I feel um, when, when I first got the job. I, I remember Prince William talking about the Dyson report and saying this interview never should be seen and not caring. And I didn't click on the news article. I didn't care at the time. And then when I got the audition, I did a little bit of research. And yeah, so I I don't think what's happened to him is fair compared to what's not happened to loads of other people who've done worse things. So Piers Morgan, you know, when he was um, News of the World guy, did awful things, right? I, I don't, I don't want to perjure myself or whatever, but like, what, why are we comparing Martin Bashir forged a bank statement for Diana's brother and therefore now we're still talking about it 27 years later and and he can never work again all his stuff off the BBC has been deleted everything is gone um people despise him that's what I learned from the play is how much hate there is towards Martin Bashir 
and sometimes I've got a little bit of it because people get so involved. But I hope from the play, people also left, and this was mostly the same people would come up and say, actually, I feel really sorry for what happened to him after watching the play. And I don't think what happened to him was fair. And it, you know, it was, you managed to show a vulnerable side to him. So I'll tell you a story about quickly. Um, I was stood outside with two friends after the show and these two women came out and one of them came up to me and she said, God, it's so interesting. You just stood here freely um, without a care after what you did on stage. So I was like, what? And, and then a friend went, you know, he's not actually Martin Bashir. And she went, yeah, 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 I know, I know. Sorry, I don't go to the theater much, but um, how do you feel about what he did? So I, I said the same spiel. I was like, well, we can't paint him with the same picture as Jimmy Savile or Boris Johnson or all that. I was like, look at what he did. He did this, which was wrong, but look what followed. And then she kept pushing and she's like, oh, that's interesting. You feel that? That's interesting. And you got to play this that way. And I was like, I don't judge the characters I play. I was like, even if I played Hitler, I wouldn't yeah. play him some like, like, evil villain and he speaks like that because he's evil you know you're like you need to find reasoning you need to find depth and humanity to to why this guy did what he did but i think with this one i was battling with people's preconceptions of who he is you know not only people from the outside people from the inside the the director the team the writer you know everyone's making judgments on the character and and i felt i was like Part of me was like, yeah, what he did was wrong and, and it's not okay to do that. And then the other part was like, but this is a South Asian guy in the 90s hustling for, for the greatest interview of the time, for the most famous person in the world. What would I do amongst all these posh white people? And and, and so it was like, yeah, sort of battling that, my, my own conscience, all that, um, yeah. And this lady also, she was like, so do you feel safe? Do you feel safe standing outside here? I was like, should I not be safe? Should I not feel safe? I mean, God. So I think what's what's fascinating is people are still so obsessed with her fragility and protecting her. And you're like, guys, she died 27 years ago. Like, come on. But it's I mean, also not ethical debates without pretending she's still alive. You know, it's interesting that I, I always find that people who hold that fragility of hers are still very, um, what is the word? The people who support monarchy, they're royalists? Royalists, yeah. Yeah, they, they have such an contradiction, right? Because you're like, she was anti-monarchy. She, she was basically, she threw the flame, which could have burnt the house down. And yet she now represents everything that people love about the monarchy. It's, but that's, that's, um, what is it? PR. And it's, it's yeah. changing the narrative. It's who's controlling history. And so by William, William cancelling this interview that Martin Bashir did, he's controlling history, right? Because he can now say, my mother was sad. She was fragile. She was, you know, all this. And not, she was incredibly emotionally intelligent she had an amazing voice and she changed discourse in british culture world culture potentially you know she talked about mental health and eating disorders and cheating a cheating husband you know like yeah. something the entire world can relate to and did and yet now she's That's gone it. 
I mean, the good thing about the internet is you can find that. So I'd... yeah, it's tough to find. We found a, a link and then it expired like a couple oh, of weeks later. I watched it like literally two days ago. Where? I I was watching. I tagged you. What the whole thing? Yeah, the or whole just thing. clips. No, the whole thing. Wow. Yeah, oh. it's available. You just need to have the capacity to search yeah. engine it. But yeah, it exists. That's a and great it's back thing. in the news now. Apparently this yeah. week question this is the first time that you played a character that is of yeah yeah, yeah. interested to know how what what do you have to create like nooks and crannies of like playlists journaling like what sort of things you have to do or it pretty much is like an organic process for you and how much of the gimmick versus what is coming to you do you put on the show yeah I think luckily I didn't have as much content as say Diana did because Diana, everyone knows what she did, her chin tilt, her eyes, you know, all that. It's very present in people's minds. And if you don't do it exactly that way, people are going to be upset. Martin Bashir doesn't have that. Firstly, because all his content has been deleted off the face of the earth, but apart from the dark corners. So I didn't have that. And and I, I I could have, you know, I watched a couple of his Michael Jackson bits and and to find mannerisms and stuff that I could incorporate. But for me, it was more about the argument than his mannerisms of like, this is really Martin Bashir. The weird thing is, you know, with with the hair and everything and the suit and loads oh, of people. You trimmed your head. It's a thick yeah. head that you have. That's a good wig you have. The, the way people would come up and be like, oh my God, oh my God, I worked with Martin Bashir and you look exactly like him. And I was like, oh God, I don't know if that's a compliment. I don't I think you look I think you made him very cool and very sexy and very attractive. And I said this yeah. to you and I was like, I did not good. like that. I did but not like that. Was. Apparently he was. Apparently he was really charismatic really sexy and and like a like a you know a fighter like a panther he had a very panther energy to him yeah exactly so yeah that's what i do is i do a lot of you know from training at drama center you you do you that's you know animals intentions movement qualities all that but it was more for the character rather than the real martin bashir Got it. But you don't you don't feel at that point to reach out to Martin Bashir. Well, all the family, all the colleagues. That genuine, no. like, that's a genuine question because I've thought about it. If I was to like there's one specific person I would like to play who's still alive. And I don't think his project is ever going to get made until like maybe 20 years. But I would reach out to them. I think that would do me more damage than help because explain. I would explain. <laughs> I think I would be oppressed by my impression of them and potentially my judgment of them rather than what is available to me in the script. So a lot of people, you know, had opinions about Martin Bashir and they were like, this is what he's like, this is what he's like. Loads of old BBC people came to see it and they were like, oh my God, this was just like him, um, this and blah, blah, blah. But I think it, it came out through my work on the script rather than on my observations of his his mannerisms and stuff because for someone not as iconic as you know diana or freddie mercury or you know all these people who are very present in people's psyches i don't think it would be helpful to to get to watch yeah i i, th I think yeah 
for me personally, that wouldn't help because I'd be I'd be oppressed with that and be like, oh God, when the way he picked up his cup um, and the way he, he said that, it would just be too oppressive for for my. Um, you don't think it'll authenticate because there's a preconceived. I I get like the spaces and the gaps in between and the breath that you're meant to allow, but there's. It's, I don't know. Maybe it's just the thing of like I feel like there's a stamp of approval, the license. Yeah. There's there's an authentic like there's something. So if I was battered, there's a bit of like I worked with the family. I I saw and I spent some time. <laughs> Like, I don't know, yeah. there's something about that train of thought where as opposed to, I feel you like- You know he's still alive. Yeah, no, I know. But what I'm yeah. saying is like, um, yeah. I guess so, but I guess it, the only approval would be like on interviews like this, right? Where you yeah. can be like, oh gosh, yeah, he he um, he did all this work and and all that. But actually for me, in reality, that would, it wouldn't help. Got um, it. Because it's, it's other people's lenses that they're- speaking to you through and equally it's your lens that you're speaking to if I got to meet I don't think Martin Bashir would ever want to speak to me um you never know when he I know I was you. it would have been amazing if he came to watch the play I think hopefully he would have maybe if you liked. reached out to him just saying <laughs> we did I think you know the writer knows him and he did reach out to him but he he didn't come I, and also the poor guy I mean the abuse he would have got from the park theater audience who are of a certain ilk yeah i would have put a i, I would have gotten him to come to a matinee show and i would have put a blonde wig on him at least <laughs> a nice blonde wig um, matinees are the worst because that is very specific audience exactly yeah i know i've realized everybody talks in a matinee I didn't realize that. So did many did you come for the Thursday matinee? No, I came for the last day matinee because I. Oh, okay. Saturdays are all right. Yeah. Well, but like I've done now matinee performances for other people's shows in terms of like watching them and seeing after. People love to stay and chat. I'm just like, go, shut up. It's just old people and they, they're a bit annoyed that all there's schools. actors on stage because yeah. they're like, we just want to have cake and be warm, be quiet. Oh, I can't hear you! <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone, that brings us to the end, and I hope you enjoyed that. I will put all of the information for the artist, the Patreon channel, in the descriptions of this episode, so make sure to check that out. This was part one of a two-parted episode. Make sure to keep an eye out, as part two will be coming out soon. Don't forget to share this, comment, do all of that juicy stuff. And as of now, I will leave you as I always do, which is breathe in and breathe out. <sighs> Namaskar, <laughs> which is copyrighted. And I will sue. See you next time. Stay curious. <laughs> <laughs>